Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by our senior pastor, Neil Haney. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. And so here are the questions that I want to ask this morning. I want to try to, to get into this. So God loves you just like you are, and he loves you way too much to leave you that way. That's the, that's the premise, okay? So who changes you? Who is responsible for you becoming like Jesus? Who is responsible for your change? Who is responsible for your growth? Who is responsible for your transformation? And who is responsible for your conformity to Christ? Who's responsible to make you like Jesus? Is it, is it you? Is it, is it God? Is it your spouse? A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people, I think, think that. Oh, you know, my wife, you know, I'm, I'm a wreck, but my wife will change me over time. Or my husband's going to lead me into being more like Jesus. You know, he'll, he'll lead me to church. He'll, he'll make sure I get where I need to go. Um, is it a combination? Is it your pastor? Am I responsible? Thank you, uh, Andrew, for, yeah, for, yeah. I'm totally responsible for your spiritual growth and transformation. I just want you to know that. There was a time that I actually thought that. When I first got out of seminary, I thought I was the answer to your problems and your growth. And then in 2012, I crashed and burned because I realized I was an utter failure at that. And that was the best thing that could have happened to me because I stopped trying to be your change agent. So I want to share a little bit of a testimony about how, how I've kind of processed this in my own life. When I was, uh, I shared this in one of the, the online sermons, but when I was about 16 years old, this cheerleader that I had a crush on talked me into coming to my mom's Sunday school class. She had begun to teach uh, uh, senior high Sunday school, and I wanted no part of that. I figured she would tell some story about me in my underwear or something and just embarrass me in front of my friends. And so I was not going to her class until Susan Murphy bounced up and said, hey, you've got to come and hear your mom teach. She's so wonderful. And I just melted in a puddle. And the next Sunday, I was, I was there in her class. My mom had just gotten filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I was, it was one of those deals like, who are you and what have you done with my mother? You know, I'm 16. I have 16-year-old issues with my parents and suddenly my mom is this transformed, amazing, suddenly wise, suddenly anointed, filled with the Spirit, presence of God, Sunday school teacher, and she really impacted my life. And I was shocked. No one was more shocked by that than me. So I just kind of, I jumped into this, I mean, I, I was saved, you know, when I was a little kid. Uh, mom took me to church my whole life, and and. At four or five, I, you know, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, and somehow I made the connection, the Holy Spirit came in. But I, you know, I was just a kid, and, and suddenly I've, I'm coming alive spiritually. And then as I moved into college, I became very, very serious about my walk with the Lord. And, and it was somewhere in my late uh, college career that I accepted a call into ministry. You know, the Lord said to me at one point, would you do something about the pain that you see in people's lives? Because he had kind of shown me that. And I said yes to him and begin to walk with him in that way. And then I had this incredible college Sunday school teacher. Her name is Clary Sanderson. She seemed like she was very old. She was probably about my age. 
but, uh, but she taught my, senior, my uh, college Sunday school class, and this woman knew Jesus. This woman was filled with the Spirit. This woman lived her entire life for Jesus. She told us at one point, not in bragging, but as a challenge, she says, I read 1 John every single day of my life. The, the entire book, four chapters. I read 1 John every day of my life. And, I, and I'm allowing that to shape my life. Boy, I was challenged by that. I didn't do it, but I was challenged by it. I graduated from college, moved to Danville, Kentucky, where I was very, very lonely. But I, w- I, wanna, I wanna say something I almost missed. There were two main focuses, foci, however you wanna say that, of my life as a Christian, as a serious college Christian. I wanted to live for God, which meant cornering people and, and witnessing about Jesus, and I wanted not to sin. Those are the two things that I knew that I had to accomplish as a Christian, is that I had to, to live for God and work for God, and I had to stop sinning. Those are just really easy things to do, by the way, <laughs> especially in your own strength, you know? And so I backed my ears, and I plunged in, and, and I tried my best to live for God. I tried my best to work for God. I tried my best to stop sinning. And I was a total, complete failure. So I graduated from college, somehow lived through that, still not married, uh, became a personnel manager in Danville, Kentucky, in a little shoe plant in this little town about the size of Urbana. I, um, I was lonely. I had no church, no friends. I hated my job from the very beginning. <laughs> I, only was, I only did it for two years, and I hated every minute of it. But I just remember being depressed and, and constantly being faced with temptation and constantly giving in and constantly trying to be a witness in the plant uh, and being a failure every day that I went into that place. I just couldn't pull it off. And there was this one, one night where I drove up. I had been working till like 9 o'clock at night because I was single. I didn't have anything to, else to do. Trying to figure out this job that I didn't know how to do. No one really. I went for uh, a week's training in, in Mississippi. And, and this old personnel manager tried to show me how to do my job. And then I, I went to Danville and then tried to do it. That, that, I, you know, right out of college, no experience, no instruction. And I'm like... What am I doing? So I would just stay at the plant till all hours of the evening. And uh, I, I remember driving into my driveway at end of main apartments, which felt like the end of the world apartments for me. And uh, anybody remember, admit being old enough to remember Quincy Jones? Remember Quincy Jones? Yeah, two people. Yeah, three people. That's good. Four people. Wow. Quincy Jones was this really cool, jazzy black guy. I think he played the, the, the saxophone, and he sang with this really deep, cool voice, you know. And, and uh, he was like a big hit in the late 70s, early, early 80s. And this, one of his biggest hits, you guys are laughing. I can see that. Uh, one of his big hits was called Just Once. And so I'm driving, I'm listening. You know, I was really into, you know, like late 70s, early 80s rock pop stuff and driving into my apartment and this song came on and just the music itself kind of moved my heart but I pulled into the the parking lot behind my apartment and I sat there and I started listening to the words of the song now he's singing about some woman that he can't seem to work things out with 
But it was ministering to me or speaking to me about my own struggle with sin and trying to live for God. And listen to some of these words for a minute. I did my best, but I guess my best wasn't good enough because we're back where we were before. Lord knows we're not getting anywhere. Seems like we're always blowing whatever we've got going. I can't, why can't we get ourselves in hand? Why can't we find a way to make it right? I know that's kind of, you know, it's about a girl, like I said, but, but for me, it was like, God, that's exactly how I feel. I can't figure out how to get this right. I, I can't figure out how to live for you. I just can't do it. And so my life was this vicious cycle of trying and failing, trying and failing, trying to live for God, failing before temptation. And I would make vows and I would make promises. God, if you just forgive me one more time, I'll do it right next time. I, I, I won't ever do that again. I promise I'll do this. I promise I'll never do that. And within a week, I had already blown that vow. And it got to the point where I'm like, God, you probably don't believe a word I say. <laughs> and... Uh, I thought there were only two options. Either give up living for God and just give in to sin or fight on. And so every time I would just back my ears again and try to fight on. But I, I want to be honest with you. What I discovered was the Lord wanted me to fail. <laughs> he wanted me to fail. Because he doesn't want our self-effort and fleshly strength to be able to accomplish anything. In fact, it can't. It can't. So, again, I want to go, I want to go back to these questions. Uh, well, the questions are, who's responsible for your change, your growth, your transformation, your conformity to Christ? And, and I'll just go on and, and uh, let me go back to, oh, here we go. This is Romans 7, 18 and 19. You can't do this. You can't live for God and stop sinning on your own. You just can't. It's not possible in your own strength. And so Paul draws this conclusion in Romans 7. I know that nothing good lives in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. When I finally read those words, it was like somebody was singing my song. For what I do is not the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep on doing. Can anyone relate to that? I keep doing the stuff I don't want to do and the things that I really know I should do, I can't pull it off. So who's responsible for your change, your growth, your transformation, your conformity to Christ? Well, first of all, I just want you to know this. Only God can truly change you. Only God can truly change you. A self-improvement program, if you're on that right now, just stop. Give it up. Throw it in the trash and walk away. Only God can truly change you. It's his job to truly change you. I want to look at, at a few verses from Romans here. I, guys, this is a topical sermon. I, I normally do like, like a, a combination of topical and, and uh, verse-by-verse stuff. But, but this is, I'm just pulling truth in here, uh, proof texting a little bit, because this is the truth and I felt like the Lord just wanted me to show you this. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, it says in Romans 8.26. He intercedes for us in accordance with God's will. The Holy Spirit, when you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit came into your heart. 
rolled up his sleeves and started to work. First thing he did was threw out the old Adam and connected us with Christ. So we're, our, our, our link, our spiritual link, our, our DNA that came down from Adam is cut off. And we now belong to Christ. But we don't get everything all at once. We get the Holy Spirit, and, we, and he begins the work of transformation. That's just how this thing works. So if you're new in the Lord, or even if you're old in the Lord, but you haven't figured out what I'm talking about, good news. The Holy Spirit is there to help you in your weakness. And it's it even better because he's doing this. He, he's praying for us in accordance with God's will. And it says later on in this, uh, about verse 36, that Jesus, our high priest, sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. So you get the Holy Spirit and Jesus praying to the Father for you. That's good news. That's some really good news. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. I want to stop right there and make an observation. First of all, everything that's happened in your life up to now, the good stuff, the bad stuff, and the ugly stuff is working for your good. It's working for you. If you love God and you're called according to his purpose, everything is in your life is taking you along the path of being conformed to the image of Christ. But I want to say this about called according to his purpose. If you're trying to fulfill your own agenda for your life, and it's not God's purpose or it's not lined up with God's purpose for you, you have the wrong agenda. You hear me? God has perp- a purpose for your life. And if you've if you're, if you got your own agenda going and you're not living according to his purpose, you got the wrong agenda. I have a friend, Wally Martinson, who said this. He said, I don't want to get to the end of my life, having climbed the ladder in my life, and get to the very end of the ladder and realize that that ladder was propped up against the wrong wall. When I get to the end of my life and I've climbed the ladder of life, I've gone through the years of life, and the Holy Spirit's been working on me, and I've been cooperating with the Spirit, which we're about to look at, I want to get to the top of that ladder and have a lot of fruit and a lot of, uh, of, of things that God has accomplished through my life waiting for me to be rewarded for. I don't know about you, but I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But it's not by trying harder and doing stuff in our own strength, and it's not by having our own agenda, God, I'm going to do this for you and bless it. That's not what God wants. For those he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. He predestined you to become conformed to the image of Christ because that was his original design. He created us in his own image, in his own likeness, to be godlike, to look like him and think like him and act like him and live like him. And he never gave up on that. That's why he sent Jesus. So that Jesus could come and move you out of the way and begin to live his life through you. That's how you do this. Jesus lives his life through you. Okay, I'm going to get to the practical part of this in a moment. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Why is that there twice? I don't have any idea. Number two. But God does this with your full cooperation. This is not just... All God and none of you, okay? That, that's not how this works. You don't just kind of fall into holiness. 
You don't just kind of slide into being Christ-like. You don't just, it's just, it, so, so my parents told me when I was growing up, they said, Neil, they told me and my siblings this. I forget their names, but anyway. Um, he said, son, uh, marriage, people will tell you marriage is a 50-50 proposition. You give 50%, they give 50%, you get 100% out of that. They said, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work at all. It's 100%, 100%. Because if the wife is given 100% and the husband's giving 100%, then marriage is successful. That's, that's agape love. They didn't even know it at the time. But when you are giving your 100% and expecting nothing from the other person, my definition of agape love is a total commitment to the best good of the other person to the point of self-sacrifice. There's nothing in that that demands anything from the other person. It's all about being 100% in for them. And so God is 100% in for you. But we need to be in 100% in for him. Because when that happens, things change. Transformation takes place. And, and God gets the job done in your life that, that you want. And God does this only by your pursuing him with all of your heart. I, I was talking to Dennis Kozlov on Friday. And... Uh, you know, I was just I was just running some of this past him, and he said, "You know, Neil, it's it, it it really is on our side all about the heart. It's wherever we direct our hearts. You know, we we have a choice to direct our hearts towards God, towards idols, towards sin. And if we continue, even though we stu stumble and struggle, and 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 you know, at times fumble around and have problems and issues, if we continue to turn our hearts toward God, the job will get done." Is that pretty much what you said? Okay. So, I want to show you the scripture. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and it's, this is in the context of having faith in God. So again, we're looking to God to change us. But the writer of Hebrews says this, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which still easily entangles us. That sounds like that's my job. I'm throwing off encumbrances, things that hinder, and I'm throwing off sin. Oh, here I am back again in my own strength, right? No, that's not it. That's not it. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, there you go. That's how this is done. We can only put away sin and, and things that distract us and false gods and, and, and idols that, that tend to wreck our lives or at least distract us from the real thing. Our focus on Jesus. The only way we can do that is to continue to fix our eyes on Jesus, to turn our hearts, as Dennis would say, towards Jesus. As we do that, as we do that, good things happen because he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He started this thing in your life. He's going to perfect it, okay? There's a wonderful scripture in... Um, in Philippians 1, it's verse 6, Paul tells the Philippians, He who began a good work in you will complete it at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Actually, it says until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means that he started it, and he's working on it, and he'll finish it when Jesus returns. Because when we see him, we will be like him. Now, I want to say this. How many of you know that you tend to go where you're focused? Like, like you're going to end up where you're looking? 
I have a friend, Jerry Hammond. Um, many of you know Jerry. He raced motorcycles for much of his life. Had lots of wrecks. I don't know how the guy's still alive, honestly. But he said one of the things that he learned the hard way is that you don't fix your eyes on the, on the bike in front of you. Because if you do that and that bike goes off the, the track and crashes, you're going to go right behind him because your eyes are fixed on that. He said when you're racing bikes, you've got to fix your eyes on the track just ahead of the dude in front of you. Because if he goes off, you're still on the track. You tend to go where your eyes are fixed. Guys, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We got to fix our eyes on Jesus and keep them there. It's 100% God to change you, and it's 100% us to stay focused, to continue to, to just, I mean, we get distracted a thousand times a day, but every time we was like, oh, wait a minute, I need to be fixed on Jesus. Oh, I got these problems, this is going on, I got this temptation going on. Oh, wait a minute, Jesus, you deal with this temptation. Jesus, you deal with this problem. Guys, as I've lived like this, and more and more have lived like this, when I give him my problems, or when I, this, this in, in Streams in the Desert, it talks about this lady who said, when, when Satan, when temptation used to come to the door, I would always open the door and I would give in. Now, I don't open the door, I send Jesus to the door, and, and, and I'm safe. He takes care of the temptation, I don't have to deal with it. That's how you do this, that's how you defeat sin. If you fight, you've lost. As you begin to fight, you've already lost. But if you send Jesus to fight for you, the battle is mine. The battle is his. David said the battle is the Lord's. It really is. As we let Jesus fight our fights, as we let Jesus live his life through us, when we walk into a problem, a situation, big or small, good or bad, and we say, Lord, this is your life in me. You deal with this. You handle this. He does it right. I had to make a phone call this week, a very difficult phone call, and I had to ask a very difficult thing from somebody, from a couple. And I prayed, and I put that in the Lord's hands. And I have to be honest, I was anxious about it up until about an hour before that phone call, and God gave me his peace. And I went into that phone call, and it couldn't have gone better. Instead of wrecking the relationship, it actually strengthened it. And that's a miracle because I don't know how that's possible. I had to ask a very difficult thing of this couple, and they were delighted to do it. I wish I could tell you the details, but it's not important. The important thing is Jesus dealt with it, and it got done right. If I had gone in there by myself in my own strength and done it, it would have been a train wreck. And they would have been hurt, and it would have probably ended our relationship. I'm telling you, he's willing to do this stuff. Now, final scripture here. In Jeremiah 29, 11 through 40, I was praying the other day, and the Lord showed me this. He's like, Neil, do you remember what I said about, uh, in Jeremiah, this, this, this is on Bibles and, and, and refrigerators. This, this scripture's everywhere. You see it all the time. Plaques, you know, billboards, whatever. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. The thing that he pointed out that I hadn't seen was, who's... Who's planning your life? Who has your purposes and plans in mind? And who's going to pull this off? If I have plans for your life, but it's up to you to pull it off, what good is that? I know the plans I have for you. Good, not evil. But then he says this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. 
Oh, there you go. Lord, I'm, a, I'm facing a situation I don't know what to do. I'm facing a situation I don't know how to handle. I'm fa- facing a situation that if, if you don't show up, it's going to be a train wreck. Okay? And then I love this next part. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, here, you've got to understand this, and then I'm going to get to the application. And it's very short, and then I'm going to give you my website, or my, my email address, and you can go to the website, contact me, and I will send you all my notes and everything that I'm going to be sharing from, for the rest of this message, because I want you to have this. The important thing is that he takes care of our lives, our plans, our purposes, the things that have to happen, the things that need to happen, our transformation, our conformity to Christ. And we talk to him about life and struggles and that sort of thing. But the main thing is focus on Jesus. You will seek me and find me with all, when you search for me with all your heart because I've got everything covered. You can take your eyes off all your worries, all your problems, all your plans and purposes, because I got this worked out, and I just want you to seek me with all your heart. Now, guys, it, this, everything that we do from this point on is going to be from that platform, because God knows the plans and purposes he has for this church and for your lives and for us together. And what we need to do is be seeking him with all our hearts. So that when we find him, he can fully live through us and accomplish his purposes in your lives and in this church, in and through this church. And so basically my my challenge to you, and I say this with uttermost humility because you've heard my failures. I'm just figuring out how to really live this life and letting Jesus do the work and do the changing and cooperating and, and, and leaning on him and giving him, my, you know, Lord, I'm going into another situation. I mean, even this morning, last night, I was here at the church at 1030 preaching through this, and it wasn't even making sense to me. I'm like, how's this going to make sense to people tomorrow? I was like, I went to bed praying, God, you got to do this. I can't do this. You got to do this. I can't do this. So whatever happens is his fault. But anyway, I want to I give you this and then practical suggestions. Okay, so tell God or ask God... Better ask than tell. To put a deep hunger in you for him. Lord, give me a hunger for you. I want to desperately be desperate for you. I mean, I desperately want to be desperate for you. I'm hungering to hunger for you. I've got to, I've got to have all of you or, or life isn't going to work. And I don't even want this yet. But I want to want this. I mean, we kind of got to start where we are. Please be honest with God. Don't put on a Sunday school face and go in to talk to God. Please don't. Find a place and a time to get along with him. If you don't do this, life doesn't work. You've got to have a place and a time that's carved out for him. Now, in in terms of your schedule, it may be a different time and place every day. For me, it's my big chair in my room. Get up as early as I possibly can, get my coffee, get my shower, and I get in my big chair, and I spend as much time with him as I can. But you gotta, you got to get with the Lord. you got to get with him. And then you learn to hear his voice. You know, 
Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. They know my voice and they follow me. You've got to learn to train your ears to hear the voice of God. You hear his voice through the word. You hear his voice through devotional classics. But you also can hear the Lord just in him speaking through your own heart. That's when intimacy begins to happen. That's when real change begins to happen. That's when he can have good conversations with you about things in your life that he's dealing with. How much he loves you. There's, there's discipline, there's love, there's, 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 just like with any relationship, there's, there's the good, bad, and the, you know, whatever. But even the discipline, even the lectures, man, I had uh, recently, he just called me out on something. And there was so much peace and joy in that at the end. Like, I, it, it was kind of, yeah, I was kind of embarrassed. I was kind of hurt, you know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, Lord, ouch, I didn't see that, yeah. But at the end of it, there was peace. That's how you know it's not the enemy, because there's peace in that. But you've got to learn to hear his voice. Be a, a Mary, not a Martha, for heaven's sake. And then learn to worship, praise, and thank him. You know, that, that is so important. That is so important. to Guys, if, if, if you will kneel at vineyardnorthridge.org, I will send you my notes, and I will send you a lot of support material. For example, and I'm not going into it now because I'm out of time, but I have a prayer. It's, a, it's kind of a prayer list. It's, it's, I just entitled it Holy Spirit Prayers. But there's about 20 things that I ask God on a daily basis. I'll just read a few of them. Holy Spirit, teacher, revealer, lead me, teach me. Holy Spirit, reveal my oneness with Christ to me. Spirit of God, possess me, control me, consume my mind and my heart and my will. Have your way with me from this moment on and forever. Dominate my thoughts. Speak to me constantly. Lead me and guide me, direct my steps. Holy Spirit, deliver me and protect me from temptation and sin. I will send this to you if you email me. There are worship songs that, that I sing to the Lord in the mornings. Lynette Reed has actually encouraged me to start uh, what I call a blessings journal. She has a, a, a Thanksgiving journal. I'm calling it a blessing journal. It's the same thing. I just write down and thank him for the blessings that, that he's, you know, just a, this, is a, this is the 14th. There's an entire page of, of just one big and small blessing after another from the 14th of May. Journaling. Just listening to the Lord's voice, writing down what you feel like you hear, and, and, then, and then writing back to him. And I want to recommend a book, and then I'm done. I accidentally found this. I lost my uh, uh, earpod case charger. Was looking all over for it. Ended up looking in my office and uh, got down on the floor and saw this book laying on the bottom shelf of, of in my office. It's called "The Indwelling Life of Christ: All of Him and All of Me" by Ian Thomas. This book has been life changing for me. It has given me practical ways to live, what, live out what I'm talking about. I want, I'll, I'll have that. If you, if you email me, I will send you the information about this book. But guys, it's time to really seek the Lord. It's time to understand that you can't live this Christian life. You can't overcome sin. You can't be the one that, that uh, changes yourself. But we've got to cooperate with him. We, it's a 100% proposition. And guys, I want us to do our part. 
I want us to be pursuing him with all our hearts. How does that sound? Sound okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this time. Lord, bless everyone here. God, may they learn to pursue you with all their hearts. And God, you do the rest. You just take over. Lord, you, you have to actually help us in our seeking you. You have to change us in such a way that we actually want to seek you. But Lord, that's what you're doing in our hearts right now. So help us just cooperate with you. Help us throw in our 100% of just throwing our lives open to you and say, God, I want to seek you. I want to know you. I want to, you have the plans, but I want to know you because it's in knowing you and seeking you and coming to that place of finding you that my life gets transformed. God, I pray that each person here would hear that and know that. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.